to let the word of my mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight, Father God, our Redeemer. Lord, we, we give you this time to you, Father God. We give you the glory and the honor. We are so thankful, Father God, that we can come together to celebrate you. Yes, to Lord. hear from you, Father God. It's not about us, it's all about you, Lord Jesus. Yes. It's about your sacrifice, about your love, your mercy, your forgiveness, Lord Jesus. Father, help us to glorify your name every single day, Father God. Help us to exalt your name, Father. Help us to understand, Lord Jesus, that it's about you, Lord God. And and that you are coming back for your people, for your church, for your bride, Father. And everything that is happening in this earth, it needs to happen, Father God. It's part of the prophecies. It's part of your of your kingdom to be established in this earth, Father God. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that we will not be fearful, but that we will be the people of God doing the will of God for the glory of God. Yes, God. Whatever we do and say is for your glory, God. So help us, Lord Jesus, to be your ambassador to be the people of God, to be, Father, uh, attentive to the leader of the Holy Spirit everywhere we go, Father God, how to pray, how to intercede, how to uh, share the good news with others, Father God. Help us to be the light in a crooked and perverse generation, Father God. Help us to be, Lord Jesus, that light that shine, Father God. Help us that people will see you, that they will see something different about us, Father God. And it's not because of us, but it's because of you, Holy Spirit. Yes, so Father. help us, Lord Jesus. And we are thankful, Father God, that we can come together today, this Sunday, Father God, to hear from you. Use your servant. Uh, use his mouth, Lord Jesus, to speak exactly what you already placed in his heart, Father God. So we thank you. We give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship our King. Yes. <clears throat> Oh, 
thank you, Father, for that truth, Lord. Father, when we fix our eyes upon you, Father, the things of this earth will grow strangely dim, Lord. Father, for those who are in Christ, Lord, we are just pilgrims. Just passing through. Lord, this world is not our home. Just foreigners. We're not to hold tight to the things of this world. Father, we're to cling to you, Jesus. Word says that we are to abide in Christ. That apart from you, Father, we can do nothing. God, you're so pleased to reveal yourself to us. This created being. Father, that we are in rebellion towards you, but yet you are pleased to reveal yourself to us through your son, Jesus. That you first loved us. Oh, God, help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord, to turn our eyes to you. Father, that work in which you've begun in us, God, you are faithful to complete. So help us, God, not to get distracted. Help us, Father, not to get easily swayed by all these weird teachings that are out there. Help us not to start believing in another gospel that's contrary to the gospel. Help us, Father, not to follow doctrines of demons. God, help us, God, to allow our roots to run deep in Christ that we may know that we know that we know that you are the author and the perfecter of the faith in which you've begun in us. So, Father, in our time today, would you speak to us, Lord? May May we not harden our hearts towards you, but God, may we be receptive to your loving kindness that draws us to repentance. And God, if there's any among us or any that may be listening online, or may be listening later, God, who who aren't in Christ, God, that they are still in that condition, that, that state of rebellion towards you. Father, I pray that today would be the day for salvation for them. God, that they would come out of darkness and be transferred into your marvelous light, that they would be engrafted into your family, that they would be given the right to call you Abba, Father. So Lord, come, have your way among us and in us and through us, Father, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Application. Sustained effort, hard work. To give one's full attention to a task, to work hard and Ten months, we've been talking about application, so how have you been doing this week? Sustained effort, hard work, you know, giving one's full attention to a task. And ultimately, the task in which we're speaking of is Christ. The works that come forth from our salvation that we have in Christ. Again, the works do not save us, the works come forth because He saved us. The finished work is in Christ and this is our position if we're truly in Christ. So 
We've heard applying the Bible is the duty of all Christians, not just the elite Christians or some Christians, but all Christians. If we don't apply it, the Bible becomes nothing more to us than a normal book and a practical collection of old manuscripts. That's why Paul says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. Put into practice. Can't just be a hearer of the word. You must be a doer of the word. Put into practice. And I love the fact, this promise that we have, <clears throat> and the God of peace will be with us when we apply the Bible. God himself will be with us. Are you taking that lightly? Because you ought not to. Are you focused in applying the truth of God's word? Are you giving your full attention to who Christ is and now who you are in Christ? Do you understand that you are now a new creation? Behold, all things are made new. You don't make excuses for what's old or what's behind or what's still within that's still screaming at you to come back to it. But no, you're learning now. You recognize what that old nature is. It's in rebellion towards the living God. A holy God. A righteous God. We can't keep stripping Him down and making Him so common. He is God Almighty. And He calls us out. To be his representatives on this earth. To go forth in a darkened world that's in complete rebellion towards him. To live out the newness of this life. That we might go forth and proclaim the gospel of Jesus. The good news of what he accomplished for us. That we may see other captives set free by the power of Christ. Because they've been called of Christ, ordained of Christ, elected by Christ. And so we go forth not in and of our own strength, but in this new life that is solely dependent upon Christ and Christ alone. And as we are born again, we receive the Holy Spirit, God Himself, in us, equipping us to do what He's called us to do. He doesn't open our eyes and then leave us to try to figure it out. But I think that's how a lot of Christians keep living. Like if I get one more inbox about this Christian guilt concept and these people who, you know, oh, I've lived all my life guilty as a Christian and then I just gave in to my desires and whew, this is who I am now. And they rewrite the gospel, or they turn solely away totally from Christ, and they use this expression of freedom to do whatever they want now because they're no longer guilty. Because they refuse to carry the Christian guilt. Because all the years have been preached to me, I just felt guilty, I just felt guilty, I just felt condemned, I just felt guilty. So now they feel as if they're liberated to live however they want. And now they're satisfied with the temperness of their desires and their wants and their needs and everything else. I'm like, God. And this is what's being peddled 
in churches. This is what the churches are doing and cowering down to. Stripping Christ of who he is, watering down the gospel, teaching doctrines of demons, so that people can have a right to themselves. Be all you can be with all that you have and all that you are. And poof, you're a Christian. Poof, you're a Christian. And God's okay with all of it. Instead of realizing that guilt, that state of knowing, like, I'm dirty before God, (laughs) that state that, oh, how these desires I have and these things that I do and that which I'm living is against a holy God, instead of allowing that to produce within them righteousness, drawing them to God, allowing them to see that that emotion, that guilt, that weight that they're sensing, it's actually the loving kindness of God drawing them to repentance to really free them. That they would know what true freedom is. Not just giving them a right just to embrace the temporalness of life, but the right to die to this life and to gain a whole new one. Where's the church? Where are you all at in this week for yourself and for others in your life? This is the reality. And I keep encouraging us, we cannot be a people who is just chasing after dust, who is putting our hope and our value and our worth and everything about ourselves into dust, into the temporalness of this life. And to the desires that just lead to the temporalness of life that ultimately leads to death. I mean, people have a right that that's what people want to do. But stop using Christianity as your platform to reject Christ and to dive in to what you want. And then somehow those who uphold Christ were the ones that are the problem. But we already know that's what it's going to look like anyways. Because <laughs> we're told we're going to be hated. Because Christ is hated. <laughs> We're told that we're not going to be accepted because he's not accepted. Not everyone's coming to Jesus. Oh, they may claim his name. They may say whatever they want. But not everyone's coming to the true Jesus. And this is warfare, you all. This is everyday combative warfare. And it's been going on since you came from the womb. And even before. Like, I'm not sure if we're truly understanding it when we hear this word for 10 months, application, sustained effort, giving one's full attention. Like, if we're really doing it. Like, if we really understand what the Lord himself is speaking to us to equip us for the days that are ahead of us. That's where shaken unless we crumble, unless we turn back, unless we deny Christ. Application. Sustained effort. Hard work. I mean, so when you hear me say, and when you open the Bible, and the Bible is very clear about this realm, your, your, your war is not with flesh and blood, but it's with, it's with rulers and principalities in the air and the darkness. Real stuff. Not that, ha oh, that's cute. Oh, okay. Ooh, little devil. <laughs> no, like real stuff, you all. If your eyes could open to see what's happening in the heavenly realms, praise be to God our eyes aren't. 
Because we couldn't take it all in. But yeah, we don't mind dancing with it in the temporalness. We don't mind the demonic. Oh, it's not bad. It's not bad. We don't mind going and doing. And still claiming to be God's people. I'm like, God, awaken us to truly see. Like Satan. Lucifer. This created being. Created to worship. Beautiful. Extravagant. Creation. Thought to himself. I can rise up above his throne. I mean, when he was tossed out, he took other created angels, messengers of God, who were in the presence of God, worshiping God, and yet they turned from God and followed Lucifer. And you think you're just going to get up out of bed and that your little worrisome circumstances... Be what lords over you and over your family. Especially if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, then you have no concept of this. But if you're a Christian by God, like we have to mature, we have to grow up. We're not looking for devils under, um, under every rock. Heck, we know that that realm is there. And we ought to be able to go forth daily Secured in Christ, not scared in Christ, but secured in Christ, knowing that God, if you've called me out of darkness, God, if I'm in Christ, if I'm protected by the name in which you have been given, if you've called me and you've assured me that in this calling, the gates of hell shall not prevail, that if I submit myself unto God and resist the enemy, he has to flee. But yes, some of us, are still submitted to Satan. The Bible says that he's the one that is blinding people on this earth. He's the one. He's the author of lies, of confusion. He's the one that you're up against. And in and of yourself, you don't have it in you to defeat him. It's only through Christ. It is only through Christ Only through Christ. And he's given us the victory because of what he's accomplished. So our application is vital. And then you have this realm here, the world system, that is nothing but trying to present to you everything that this other enemy against you, your own nature, your own flesh, it presents itself to you to draw you and say, this is better. This feels better. It fits you. Oh, you don't have to struggle anymore. Come on out and play. Take another drink. Say another word. Gossip some more. Steal, kill, murder, destroy. Have it all. And we just feast off of it. We just feast off of it. 
This is how we live before Christ. This is how we live before Christ. And we're actually okay with it in and of ourselves. But God is so gracious and kind. He's slow to anger. He knows our condition. So he reveals himself against all these three. And then we feel that weight like, what is that tugging on? Why do I feel bad for giving myself to what I like? Or why? But I mean, we have all these excuses, but yet God is there from the beginning. God is there from the beginning. Because you remember, He's the one who created you. He's the one who formed you in the secret places. He's the one who numbered the hairs on your head. He's the one who is intimately acquainted with you. He's the one who's called you and purposed you. He's the one who has elected you. He's the one who foreordained you. He's the one who knows you. And he also knew that when he placed you in your mother's womb, what you would turn out to be. And still, he hasn't given up on you. He keeps revealing himself to you time and time and time and time and time again in hopes and hopes that you would surrender to him. That you would yield to him. That you would deny yourself, pick up the cross and follow him. Because your life is no longer your own. And then you truly begin to live. You truly begin to live a life that's God-honoring, Christ-honoring. A life that you were always in purpose to live. So how'd you do this week? How'd you do this morning? You have to be actively engaged in this newness of life. Because if not, you're going to be devoured. Especially, Jesus help us, especially if you read the end of the book. You know what's coming on the earth. Especially if you've been around here for the past couple of years. I've been warning us. Not because I'm anything of anything, just because you can just read the word. You don't even need me to warn. You can just read the word. The level of deception that's coming on this earth. The chaos that's coming. Oh, we can't do church like we've done church. It's time to truly live it out. To be be on point. (laughs) To yield daily to Christ. To love Christ. And not deny Him. Because in that moment, well, I've got to do me. No, you're dead. And dead people have no rights. You're called to live now for Christ. For Christ. So application is vital. I've encouraged you before, give thought to your soul. Do you care for your soul more than you care for your temporalness? Like your very soul. Because that's what these realms want. To devour your soul. To drag you to hell. To a place of wrath. Eternal wrath. You think being under Christian guilt is back down? 
Wait till then. Every day, every hour, forever, 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 for all eternity. Wrath, the wrath of God poured on you over and 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 over. The weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Well, I don't believe that. I don't like that part of God. Well, that's okay. <laughs> Rather you believe it or you like it or not, it's coming. Well, I don't like to see God that way, but you need to see him that way to truly understand the great salvation that you receive through Christ. That's what Christ took upon him for you so that you wouldn't have to endure that, that you were no longer to be a child of wrath, that you would be a child of love. That you would be restored back to the one who created you, who formed you, who's intimately acquainted with you. Like through Christ, you are restored back to God. You're at peace with God through Christ. The righteousness of Christ has been placed upon you. I mean, that we would truly understand in this hour truly who we are, the one whom we belong to, and the message that we have been entrusted with to carry out to a world that is growing darker and darker and a world that's growing more at a level of hatred to the true God, the only God, Jehovah God, Jesus Christ, We all about to quake. No, because we're preparing for his return. So application is vital. Application is vital. And application is not religion. Application is not just, I read my Bible, checked it off. I came to church when I was able to, I checked it off. I gave a little bit of money, I checked it off. If your Christian walk, and that's what your Christian walk is like, then you're not a Christian. And we're making a mockery of Christ. We're making a mockery of Christ. Oh, that we would know Christ. And I keep telling you, we don't have to make excuses for our God. And I'm not sure which little gods you've bowed down to this week, but you have to ask yourself, why, why did, especially if you know him, especially if you've been called out, why are you still subservient to these little gods that control other people, that control different places that you go into? Why are you serving and catering and, sub, and, and, and submissive to the desires of your flesh? And you know good and well, nothing good comes from it. If you're a Christian, if you're not, then you don't know well. It's, it's of no concept because your eyes are blinded. Because the evil one, you still belong to him. You're still enslaved to him. Well, I don't believe that. It's okay, you don't have to. You're not going to because you're blinded. It's a foreign concept to you. It's a ridiculous concept to you. I was there. <laughs> I know what it's like. But man, when you've tasted and seen that your Lord, the Lord God is good, you won't settle. 
It's like I was saying the other day to Norman, I was sharing a, a few times this week in this concept. I said, you know, there's things that come up in our Christian life, especially as you're maturing as a Christian. And me knowing that, you know, I'm 25 years into this now, like I'm not still wet behind the ears. I can't keep acting like a little infant Christian. Sometimes my flesh wants to give me that right. <laughs> but no, no, wait, I said, wait a minute, Rob. What? You're not wet behind the ears. You're a grown man. You're a grown Christian. And some of y'all need to put yourselves in the mirror and tell yourself that. Lest you think your infancy, your little infant mindset, is your escape to be okay to kind of get gaze, you know, graze into to the kingdom real quick. No. If you're an infant Christian, that's fine. Be an infant Christian. But grow, mature. There comes a time where you're not just craving the spiritual milk. You've got to start wanting the steak, mm, the ribeye. Come on, brother. You want the plate. Mm. Not settling for all the little, you know. No, 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 no. At some point, you've got to be weaned off of it. You can't just keep laying the elementary foundations of your Christian faith over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, as if that's pleasing to God. It's a mockery to God. You ought to be pressing on beyond. You ought to be growing. You ought to be maturing. Especially, especially when you can't deny and even the lost can't deny what on earth is going on in this earth. We're on the verge of World War III. I'm not saying it's going to happen tonight. I'm not going to say everything, all, everything that's happening is leading us to that in this hour. But what I can tell you, if it's not now, oh, it's coming. This is, then, then, then this is just a preview. There you go. But you know, but you know, like you begin to see, like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Look how quick things unravel. From the south, they evade Israel. From the north, they're coming. All of a sudden, things are turning all around. China's at play. Russia's at play. All of a sudden, you begin to see, especially if you know anything about biblical prophecy, you just go, what on earth? And you see the level of deception rising up. You see the chaos, and, and you see the murder, and, and you see the perversion, and you see all this stuff just rising up. And you go, how did we get here so quick? Because time is speeding up. Because Jesus is returning. You don't have to believe in him. That's totally fine. But that doesn't stop what's happening. It doesn't stop what's happening. You have a right to keep living out of your flesh, out of your carnality. You have a right to do what you want to do and live however you want to live. Enjoy it. But you're not going to take your last breath and stand before him and go, oh, I never knew. No, you're going to take your last breath and go, oh. And that's why he says every knee is going to bow. See, if you're not bowing on this side, oh, you're going to bow before him. And when you bow then, he doesn't even have to say guilty. You already know. Oh, God. No, you already know you're guilty. And then you deserve your reward. Because you rejected him this whole time. Not for me. 
<laughs> not that religion. Huh? Not him. Huh? Okay. Okay. <laughs> and as far as Christians, <laughs> we're to go forth proclaiming the good news. See, I love you enough to get in your way. I love you enough to, to get you angry or mad at me. I love you enough for, all right, fine, you know, whatever. But I care more about your eternities than I care about your temporalness of this life. Because ultimately, you're not answering to me. You're answering to him. And I keep encouraging us, we have to love people enough to get in their way. Not fight them, not scream at them, not beat them over the head with the Bibles. Just be able to speak to them. Just share with them. Just honor Christ before them. Stop going their way. Stop being subservient to their gods in hopes to win them for yours. Because no, your God looks weak. Your God looks weak. No, there has, to come, there has to come a time when you stand and stand there for them. I know in whom the God I serve because I know the one who's called me out. I know what my old life was like, but I know and I'm maturing and I'm growing because I'm not perfected into this new life. So no, I can't keep doing and saying and acting and going and here and there and running them up because I don't want to offend people. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian among them. No, you're not. No, you're not. You are a stumbling block because you're making a mockery of God before them. Tell them, no, I'm sorry. I can no longer do that. Enjoy it. I'm not judging you. I just can't. What are you going to do? Just sit home by yourself? If I have to, I'm totally fine with that. I'll worship my God. There's a way to live, you all. That's why we look forward to coming together as the church and gathering. So I were warned in the Bible, don't forsake it like others do. Like, no, we ought to be eager for it, especially in this day and age. So that we're growing, so that we're maturing, that it's iron sharpening iron. That's why we're not, we're not we're having a religious pretense like, oh, look how religious, look how well together we are, because that we're not. that we can come and we've created a community where we can be open and transparent because first we're open and transparent before God. And we can be open and transparent before each other. And we can encourage each other to mature. Keep pressing on. Keep pressing on. Because you would think it shouldn't be so hard to apply truth. Especially the truth. But then when you really understand what's at stake and what's warring against it, and you think, well, I can just hear a message. I can post a post. I can believe I'm saved. (laughs) There's a way in which we're called to live, you all. 
So again, the degree to which we study, memorize, and meditate on God's Word is the degree to which we understand how it applies to our lives. But understanding how the Word applies is not enough. We must actually apply application implies action. And obedient action is the final step in causing God's Word to come to life in our lives. The application of Scripture enforces and further enlightens our study and it also serves to sharpen our discernment, helping us better distinguish between good and evil. So as we're applying the Word... We're maturing, we're growing, especially in our level of discernment, uh, the, the hissing of the serpent, oh, we pick up quickly on. It, it doesn't lure us anymore. We go, oh, no, I know you. <laughs> you know your old self, you know your old flesh. I don't know what you're doing during the days. These are active forces. And it's so crazy. Like, as a Christian, I could say this, you know, and people will look at me with that dumb expression. But yet they'll go to TikTok, yet they'll go out in this world, yet they'll go and they'll listen to these psychics, they'll listen to these new age people, they'll listen to this and to them. They're like, oh, we're so enchanted by them. Look how spiritual they are. And we act as if that's some type of, and you see the difference. Shh. But we look at Christians like, oh, that's nonsense. What have you believed this week? What have you done this week? How have your thoughts been this week? How did you deal with things this week? Or you just numb yourself so that you don't deal with them? Just give yourself over to stuff. Like I'm telling you, like when your eyes are peeled open, you just go, what? God. And then you realize, God, you're so gracious. God, you love me. Like, God, what? Like, I deserve. Like, what? No, my God. And as we're learning on Friday night, this lesson, oh, this new series is so beautiful. I mean, his first thing, Moses goes up to the mountain. And like Pastor Chan says, I mean, he could, God could have said, the first thing he wants his people to know is I'm going to kill every single one of you. Mm -hmm. I'm a God of wrath. You're horrible. And I'm just to do it. He could have said that and been okay. But he didn't. Do you realize what God's first words to Moses so that God's people would know his character? I am the Lord, the merciful God. I am a gracious God. What? And yet, what is your thoughts of who he is? How'd you go through this week with the issues that have come up in life? How'd you think upon him? How do you see him? Because I'm telling you, your eyes are blind. If you don't know him, the Bible is very clear. Your eyes are blinded. You are living in the most incredible time that the earth has ever faced. And it's only escalating. Let's just say World War III breaks out. Let's just say this is the fulfillment, the final prophetic fulfillment Let's just say for an instant, are you ready? Because ultimately you know what's coming. Christ. Christ. And then let's say if it's not. Let's say if it's not. It's just a preview. Yet again, his mercy is just giving us an understanding of what is to come. What have we done with that this week? How's that revelation of who God is? And how he's longing to draw you 
to himself. And for you to give up the right of allowing the enemy to control you, to lord over you, to keep blinding you. This right application is vital. And this weird thing that we've done in churches all these years, shh, just show up. Just show up. And then carry on your life the rest of the week. Like, where are we equipping people? My heart breaks. When I look at these kids, when these videos are sent to me from these parents and, and different people about these kids and how they've turned away from Christ. Sometimes I make the parents upset. Maybe not sometimes, maybe all the time. Because it's like, what did you do in your home? You harbor all these ill will intent towards the church, but you wanted the church to raise your kid? Why were you in your home subservient to the gods who were controlling your home instead of allowing the God to be the Lord of your home? So that they knew what to do with the guilt that they were feeling. That they knew what to do with these feelings of unnatural desires. What is all of this? Why didn't they feel comfortable to talk to you? Like you understand what we've been doing? It's a tactic of the enemy. And the church has created more apostates than disciples. But yet we're told, oh, you shouldn't be surprised. We're told that's what's going to happen. It doesn't weaken God. It doesn't make him weak. What kind of God is that? I got this one guy who followed me. He trails me on this other platform that I'm on. It's called Clout Hub. He loves to come at me. But you know, I just, I just, it did, then he just looks foolish because every time he does, because I'm not one of the Christians, I'm not going to fight back with, I'm just going to allow your own words make you look as foolish as you're trying to make Christ. I haven't heard from him in months. But today he had a, oh, I'm just like, oh, God bless you, brother. Man, you, just, you don't learn. You still haven't allowed God to, all right, well, here you go. Again, we don't have to argue with people. I don't have to argue with people. You can do whatever you want. You can look at God however you want. But I mean, this is a stranger, but I love him enough to say, mm. I mean, we just have to live it out, you all. But it's got to be our truth because he has to be our God. Again, again, I don't know who or what little gods that you're subservient to. And why you keep yielding your life to them. When you got to start growing up and maturing as believers. Like Jesus Christ is victorious, y'all. He, he publicly, openly shamed the enemy already. Dragged him out. He's victorious. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is ruling and reigning. He's at the right hand of the throne of God. Everything was made for him, by him, through him. And we want to just, okay, whatever. I'll get to you on Sunday. That's, that's weird. What kind of Christianity is that? 
I mean, these other religions, they believe what they believe, and you can't shake their belief. So what's going on with Christianity? No, you're called out, you all. You're a new creation. You're being equipped and you're being prepared for the days that are coming. We're to be the people of God, doing the will of God for the glory of God. So I'm going to spend the rest of our time together looking at how then shall we live. On the brink of World War III, or just a preview of it. But these prophetic times in which we're living, how should we live? Who are we? What are we living among? And how do we respond as Christians? Oh, I hope you're ready. Let's go to Matthew chapter 24 and 25. The Bible has a lot to say, you all. And again, the, the Word of God is not to be a heavy burden or a tight yoke. <laughs> no. It's actually very freeing. It's easy and light. Again, when you know your God, when you see Him for who He is, you know, I told you all, and you got to ask yourself, have you been born again? This isn't, this isn't just, just a, a phrase just to say. We're going to Matthew 24. We're going to read through 24 through 25. But before I do, I, as we're going through these scriptures, I really want you to really have insight and understanding. Are you born again? If you're not, then don't fool yourself. And don't let the enemy continue to fool you. The reality is, are you in Christ? Have you been born again of a new nature, of the Spirit. It doesn't mean that all of the flesh is silent and quiet now and you're living this weird, you know, kumbaya type life. No, because you're told, oh, the flesh and the Spirit, they're war against each other. And you think you're just going to roll out of bed. You gotta know. This is this is a level of intense warfare like you've never known. And that's why you must know. The application, as you're applying, the word of God begins to live through you because you're walking in the spirit. It's the power of God through you, transforming you, renewing your heart, renewing your mind, girding you up, rooting you down, so that you are immovable, unshakable. That the earth may quake, and it's going to quake, and it's going to shake. But now you are engrafted into a kingdom that cannot be shaken. What does that look like? So as you're applying the word, as you, the more that you're sitting there, the more that you're allowing the Holy Spirit, the more that you're having fellowship with other Christians, and you're growing and you're maturing, your level of obedience is going to come forth, and your level of discernment is going to peak to truly distinguish between good and evil. Because at the end, you all, you're without excuse. You're not going to be able to look in and say, well, no one ever told me. No, yeah, no, I didn't know. I couldn't look at creation and realize, oh, there's a creator. Like, really? 
mean, sometimes I do. Sometimes I think of the man that I was, and I go, my God. Wow, I hate it. I mean, God. And I go, and then you just, like, okay, God, wow. Do you understand your state of rebellion towards him? You can't say, oh, I wasn't as bad as you, Rob. It doesn't matter. No, you were because you were still in the same condition that I was. You're a sinner. You're born into sin. You're born in that nature because of Adam. And Jesus is the second Adam. First Adam brought forth the flesh, death, sin. The second Adam brings forth life because it's the birth of the Spirit. And you go, wow. Only a holy God can do that. Only a holy God. And these are Jesus' words in which we're about to hear. I'm telling you, he tells us everything. Everything's laid out before us. Again, you could choose to say, I don't believe. Oh, okay, well, maybe that's this, or maybe, maybe a little. But no, the reality is, as you're hearing these words today, are you born again? Are you truly a child of God? Have you been engrafted into his kingdom? <laughs> have you been given the right to call him father? Do you understand that you have now are adopted in? You are co-heirs, the Bible says, with Jesus. Do you understand? Because if you truly understand, then, then you really have to ask yourself, why do you keep living the way you live? Because you say, oh, yeah, I'm born again, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, but yet you live such a loose life. Yet you keep sub- becoming subservient to these other gods. Yet you keep doing and running amok. And somehow, and somehow, you say this God in whom is the only God, the true God, is okay with that. Why is he so common to us? Instead of when we do go run amok, we feel the Holy Spirit bringing forth conviction, because we're truly born again, you'll feel the conviction, and you go, oh, thank you for your loving kindness. Oh, you're drawing me to repentance. I don't belong here anymore. That train of thought is not a pattern of thinking I should be processing because I know what will come forth from it. No, your word says that you renew my mind. It says to take every thought captive and bring it to the obedience of your lordship. What does that look like? And then you allow this process just to begin and you just enjoy it. You don't beat yourself up. So I'm saying, if you're wet behind the ears, you're, you know, you still got the, uh, the birth juice on you, well then, enjoy it. Enjoy the bottle. Because you're growing. You don't have to beat yourself up. You don't have to have other Christians beat you down. But you do have to be open to the correction of the Holy Spirit and to the correction of other believers in your life who just want to see you grow and mature. Lest you get called up, led astray, and then begin to believe a different gospel than the first in which you believed. So this is daily. This is an active life. Again, just as much as we put into the old life, 
We're to put into the new life. This is who we are. Jesus' words. Here we go. Ha! As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, Do you see these buildings? I tell you the truth. They will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? There's a lot of us, there's a lot of people who are asking that very same question today. When's the end coming? Is this the end? Is the end? Is it here now? Is it coming? Everyone's stirred up. Everyone's open for spiritual conversations, you all. I don't know how many spiritual conversations I've had this week. It's stirring people up. And it's okay, it ought to. Because look at the disciples. They themselves. Jesus told them, Jesus' words, perk up. Don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. Listen, here's this word. They will deceive many. And yes, I'm sorry, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars. But don't panic. Yes, these things must take place. But the end won't follow immediately. Nation, nations will go to war against nation and kingdoms against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But look, highlight this next verse. But all of this is only the first of birth pains with more to come. These are Jesus' words. And you may say, well, how dare God? What kind of loving God allows this? Listen, I've been there. I don't say to insult you, but that's just ignorance. Because you don't know me. That's why I can talk to people and I can share with people. Like, you think God is the problem. God isn't the problem. We're the problem. All of this is because of sin. All of this that's happening, all of it, it's escalating to truly reveal the nature of the created being and our rebellion towards a holy God. And in the end, those who aren't in him, for those who have not been born again, will be swallowed up in his wrath. Oh, he will deal with what's going on because he's a just God, not because he's a bad God. No, he hates the condition in which we're born into. He hates it. God hates sin. Yet he sent forth his son Jesus, laid it upon him so that he would endure the wrath that we deserved. And then Jesus' righteousness is laid upon us so that then we are restored back to God. And you're saying God's the problem? See, when people say God's the problem, they don't understand Christ. They don't understand Jesus. God has made a way out of all of this. But again, mankind, in and of their own nature, they don't want God. So look what we create. Chaos. And he allows it. Oh, 
If this is what you all want, he turns, the Bible's very clear, he turns us over to it. He's warned us, he's revealed himself to us, time and time, and even in our own individual lives, he warns us, he warns us, he warns us, and yet we say, nope, nope, and he says, okay, well then, here, have your fill, have your share. That's what you want to serve. This is your God, right? He loves us enough. He turns us, and that's a form of his wrath. He, the Bible says he abandons us. Read Romans 1. He abandons us. He turns us over to it. That's his wrath. Oh, that's what you want. Oh, it's going to rule you. <laughs> it's going to enslave you. It is going to drag you <laughs> to the depths. And yet, even as he turns us over, because we see it all from the beginning to the end, he's still there, but I'm here. Do you want to turn back? See, I'm gracious, I'm kind, come to me. Come to me. I posted an incredible sermon yesterday about the prodigal. I mean, the prodigal son, you all, He got to the pig pen. He was a Jewish boy. What's doing among the pigs? Eating the pig junk. Because he had to have his his inheritance. But while he was down and out, broke, busted, and disgusted, he remembered. Even the servants in my father's home, they're cared for. I want to go back. And the father wasn't stiff-arming. The father wasn't standing on the porch going, oh, look at this punk. Now he wants to come back? Doesn't he know what he... No, he didn't. No, no. The father ran towards him. Embraced him. As his son. Restored him. This is the God. So I wanted to stop there because unless you keep thinking God is the problem, Unless you keep thinking that you have these wrong misconceptions of God. You want to sit down and talk? Fine, well, let's sit down and talk. But we got to stop blaming him. Jesus is here and he's giving them this understanding. But this, but all of this is only the first of the birth pains. With more to come. Now listen, he's talking to his disciples. And as he's telling them, this is captured for you. For Christians. So when all of this is going on, I mean, persecution has already been going on on the earth. But that's what I keep telling you because Jesus says, the level of persecution is going to keep rising. I mean, if you study church history and you see what we've already endured, I mean, for God's sakes, they used to put us on light posts or lamp posts or even just a post, actually. Light is on fire as the Romans go through their drunkenness and their orgies and just enjoying the nightlife and listening to the Christians burn and scream, but lighting the path for them. Put them in the stadiums, the crowds cheering. Christians are thrown out and the lions are brought out to devour them. What Christians are enduring today. I was just talking about the men just a few years ago that were beheaded on that beach. And I remember expanding the picture, looking at their faces 
they still influence me. And I go, God, I, I want to be like them. I want their faith. Because, and the, they knew the blade was coming. Yeah. Right? And their expressions was joyful. And you go, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. Why aren't they afraid? Why? There's not even an ounce of stress on their face. They're just on their knees. Looking up. They know what they're about to enter. And we can barely get up out of bed. Oh God. Oh God. Oh my life. And I don't make fun of it because I've been there. But we have to grow. We have to mature. Jesus is saying, listen to what he's going. Listen to what he says. Then you will be arrested. Persecuted and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me. What, Jesus? Yeah, many who once followed me will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin, oh Jesus, will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. Where's the good news, Jesus? Highlight the next verse. All of this is going to happen. All of this is taking place. But, but, the one, come on, be it counted among the one, who endures to the end, will be saved. And this is my favorite verse coming up. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world to all nations so that they will hear it and then the end will come. You see, that's what we're supposed to be about. All of this chaos and all this brouhaha that's carrying on, the church ain't got time to be quaking, hiding under the pews, under the chairs, under the blankets. Oh, this is it. That's it. You better be out there. <laughs> Preaching the gospel. You have the hope to offer a dying world. Well, I don't want to go to Middle East. I don't want to go to Africa. I don't, you don't have to. Just go to Publix. Just go to Walmart. Just be out there in your neighborhood. Just be available at your workplace. And I'm not saying to make it, you know... <laughs> Don't do things that you ought not to be doing. You honor your workplace and you honor these places. You don't go run amok and be a fool. But you're just being available as the Spirit of God is leading you to connect with people, to pray with people. Because they'll begin to start seeing the difference in you. What's different? No, it's not what it's who. <clears throat> all this chaos, all this stuff that's going on, gospel is still being preached. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about. The sacrilege object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Reader, pay attention. Then these in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it would be for a pregnant woman and for nursing mothers in these days. Or in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. For there will be greater anguish than any 
Oh God, listen to that verse. For there will be greater anguish than any at any time since the world began. And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless the time, oh hear this, of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. Then if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform and perform and perform great signs and miracles and wonders. So as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. So if someone tells you, look, the Messiah is out there in the desert. Don't bother to go and look. Or look, he's hiding here. Don't believe it. For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines in the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Just as gathering of vultures shows there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens. And there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heavens with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a mighty blast of a trumpet. And they will gather, come on you all, his chosen ones from all over the world. From the farthest ends of the earth and heavens. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you are when you all see these things, you can know his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, no one knows the day and the hour. Come on, hear this verse. When things, when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself, only the Father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like in the days of Noah. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered the boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is, that is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the meal. One will be taken, the other left. So you, too, must keep watch for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his home to be broken into. You also, come on, must be ready all the time. 
Not just when you feel Christianese that moment. I feel like a Christian today. No, all the time. This weird wavering, you know, up today, down tomorrow, here today, gone tomorrow. No, we gotta, we got to stop that. Oh, but you don't know. No, I do know. <laughs> but you got to mature. you got to grow. <laughs> you must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put the servant in charge of all he owns. But when, but what if the servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while, and begins beating other servants, partying and getting drunk, the master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In the place, in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The kingdom of heaven, chapter 25, will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five were wise. The five were foolish. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil, olive oil, for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were aroused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out to meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please, please, give us some of your oil because our lamps aren't going, because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to the shop and buy some for yourself. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were really, I'm sorry, then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. These are Jesus' words, you all. Either you're living wise in these days or you're still living foolish. I mean, some of you ought to give thought, especially if you're, calling, if you're not calling yourself a Christian, then how, oh, how I pray that your eyes would be open to the truth of who he is and you would submit to him, call upon him and be saved. But if you're sitting here today or listening or listening later and you've just deceived yourself into thinking you are a Christian, <laughs> but the reality is you're not. These foolish bridesmaids, they, oh, they thought they had the foot in. But they weren't ready. They weren't prepared. They were still living life. Doing them. They were acting foolish. They weren't wise in what's been, what was entrusted to them. Oh, but we don't like that. Well, 
many parts of my life, I didn't like it either. But once I understood, I was like, oh, wow, how great is your love towards us? There's a way in which we're called to live, to be the people of God. Why are we ashamed of him? Why do we act like we can just be flippant? The holy God, these, these are Jesus' words. And yet, we get up and we keep trying to find our value in dust. The temperaments. Oh, you can. But when you look at the chaos, I mean, those people at that rave party in Israel, have you seen the videos? Oh, they're just out there. Peaceful. Oh, how, you know, I'm sure they were saying hallelujah. But they were just out there. Just, just, and all of a sudden, these parasellers, look at them. It's like they're filled with the sky. Oh, look at all these people. And they come to massacre them. Yeah. What? They weren't ready. They weren't ready. The same as the people doing whatever else they're doing in life. However the enemy comes and destroys them. And for what? Because I needed that in this moment. I needed to get it off my chest. I needed a gossip backbite slander. I needed just to give in to this temptation. I just needed him to hold me, her to love me. I just needed to give myself away. I just needed that drink. I just needed this. I just needed this vice. I just needed it. What? And I'm not saying that as a Christian, if you down and you feel the conviction, because we talked about that last week, then just throw off the sin that so easily entangles you. Get up and run. Endure. <laughs> press in and press on. Stop playing the weird games we do. You have the victory. Get up. Repent. Move forward. But if your life is just, that's just where you're at, over and over and over and over and over. And please, you're not loving Jesus, you all. He's just one of your many lovers. Take what you can get from him. Just to secure you for that moment. But then you're on to the next. Then you're on to the next. And then you're on to the next. Oh, you better know your flesh. Because it wages war against you. It hates you. You actually hate yourself. The very nature in which you're in. Once you're dead. And it feeds you everything out there that leads you. But Jesus is coming to give you life, and he's your creator. He's the one that is intimately acquainted with you, and he calls you, be ready, be ready, be ready. At any moment, here's the signs. This is what's going to happen. It's all coming. But this is what I need you to do. I've entrusted this with you. You got this because I got you. Ah, Go forward, go forward. Be my ambassadors. Be the people of God. Announce my coming. Do you understand what we've been entrusted with? Do you understand who we are? And the hope that we have. That we can look at the other 
Father, when it comes to, oh no, sorry. <laughs> See, you're the takers. Always wanting my oil. <laughs> get your own. <laughs> you go on and get your own. Ha <laughs> ha. I'm ready for them. Takers in the church. Why we've allowed the church? Well, I mean, again, I know why. So when I say that, it's not like, like I'm like, oh, God, why? No, I know why. Because the institution has to be formed on the earth because that's what the enemy does. He twists and he perverts and he counterfeits everything that God has already done. So it doesn't take God by surprise. So he creates these religious institutions and he slaps Jesus' name on it. That's why Jesus says many false prophets, many false messiahs, all of this is going to happen in order to deceive you. But no. There's a way in which we're called to live. There's a way, you all. He goes on, still talking about the kingdom. And the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a small, I'm sorry, of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it to its proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver, dug a hole in the ground and hid the money, the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used their money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with, the one, with, with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibility. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. Oh, the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibility. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came out. Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate, I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. The master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate. Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the other one. I'm going to give it to the other one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And to those who have abundance, 
But from those who do nothing, even with little they have will be taken away. Now, throw this useless servant into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's given us insight, you all, to his kingdom. Unless we keep thinking, everyone's entering. I know we like that. That's a great little message. We're all into heaven. But no, that's not true. That's not true. And again, the enemy, the, the greatest lie on the earth is that we're all children of God. That's a lie. We're all created in the image of God, but only those who are born again are the children of God. So we have to understand this. And Jesus himself is, is showing us those who belong and those who don't. The final judgment. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will gather in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on the right hand and the goats at his left. The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. Don't miss this. From the creation of the world. Remember I told you, he formed you. He's fashioned you. He's intimately acquainted with you even before you you took that first breath. For he placed you in your mother's womb. This is how your life is supposed to end. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me to your house. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you crawled and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then those, then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. Whenever you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you're doing it for me or to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away from me or away with you. You cursed ones. And to eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. Would you see that and hear that? You weren't created for hell. The devil and those fallen angels, those demons. That's what it was meant for. But created beings are going to end up there. Because they have rejected Christ. And they've allowed the enemy to lord over them. To so deceive them. And you say, well, isn't it the enemy? How can I be responsible for what I don't have control over? Oh, but you do. Because you chose. You know, many years of my life, that was my issue with God. From a young boy. From a young boy. 
what kind of crazy God? I used to say this to him. What kind of crazy God are you? Like, how are you going to hold me accountable in this weird spiritual battle that I did not even ask to be placed in? would then hold me accountable because of the things I like and the desires that I have. What kind of right? What is that? I don't believe you. I don't even believe in you. But it's a funny thing. In my heart, I didn't believe, but I was, but I was having a conversation with him. What kind of nonsense? You see what I'm saying? But that's God working. Even there, God was working on me. Look up to me. Even though I was rejecting him, he was still drawing me. Every, every part of me. And then when I came to Christ, I remembered. Wow. Those conversations. And then I realized, oh wow. I, I was responsible for what I was choosing <coughs> and allowing the enemy to have access to. Because I was a sinner. I was born in rebellion toward you. And yet you knew my condition. And yet you left me. And you pursued me. To reveal yourself to me. That I might not yield any longer. To this nature that I was born into. But I would be freed. And born again in this nature that I was always purposed. To have. There's no greater love than that, you all. Displayed to creation. So many scripture says. Like, we're, we're his trophies of grace that he's displaying to all creation. Why do you think the Bible says even heaven rejoices when one sinner repents? Because they're looking and they're saying everything's against them not to turn to you. But what? What? Look. Look, there's one bowing their knee. Look, there's one calling upon you. Oh my goodness. And there's such rejoicing. Because all of a sudden it's that, and then we step out of that old nature. We're like, we're free. How then shall we live? I'm I'm yours. I'm I'm like, oh God. You will begin what you've, you're faithful to finish what you've begun in me. God, I'm here. I'm going to fall. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm still behind these lines, but I don't want that to be an excuse for me just to stay down and to turn from you. No, God, quickly, Holy Spirit, pull me up. Remind me of who I belong to. That I will throw off the sin that so easily entangles me and I will run. I will run with endurance. See, that's how we're supposed to live, you all. But we just make it about church attendance. I just go to church. Uh, I got for church. <laughs> our prayer life, our devotional life, even our giving. Like everything should be increasing. We should be maturing in it all. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And the 
king will say, I tell you the truth. Oh, no, let me back up. <laughs> then, uh, and the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did these for me, you're doing it for me. And then we move on. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Any, away with you, you cursed ones. And to the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you did not feed me. I was thirsty and you did not give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, oh Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty? Or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. How then shall we live? A brief of World War III. Rather it's today. Rather it's this upcoming week. Rather it's years from now. Who knows? Oh, but it's coming. You could just look around. I mean, again, he says, when you see the vultures gathering, oh, there must be something good. And so as you see these signs, rather you're in Christ or not in Christ, when you see these signs, you know. Yeah. And these spiritual people, they're awakened. I follow a lot of non-Christians. People say, oh, you shouldn't follow them. They're going to influence They're not going to influence me. Because I once was like them. So I like to listen to them. And, and I pray for them. And this one man, I just pray for him. I'm like, oh God, please, just save him. Because he's like, he's always right there. Now he's got to where he wants to talk a little bit about Jesus. But I know he's not really talking about the Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, him and his girlfriend. Oh Lord, please. But you hear these people who are out there. They're not Christians. But they're attuned to what's happening. People are aware there's something going on on this earth. But Christians, we know what it is. We know what it is. It's a war like we, and I'm not talking about the physical war. <laughs> it is a war. Like we've never seen before, as Jesus says. It's never been so great. I mean, the earth has endured stuff already. But you realize, it's going to get greater. It's going to get even more amped up. And I know you're probably looking at all the scriptures going, dear God, he's not going to get done. I know. I didn't say that. I'm only on the first scripture. He's only on the first one. There's a lot underneath. Don't worry, Maritza. I'm I'm, I'm here chilling. (laughs) But (laughs) but the reality that's why I care so much about you all. I don't, you know, listen, you're living however you want, running amok, that's fine. Even if you're stamping Jesus on your life. not answering to me. I wish you wouldn't. I wish you would truly understand who he is and what he's doing and what he's done. That we would awaken as a community, as a church. We are a church. We are a fellowship of believers who have non-believers among them. Just like every other church. 
listen, you all. I'm praying for us that we would awaken, that all of us would believe. And that all of us would put our hands towards the plow and not look back. Remember, Jesus himself said, if you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not fit for my kingdom. It's such a hard draw. Yeah, I understand. But why aren't you being discipled? Why aren't you growing? See, you can't blame this and that and this and who and ha and la, but he and no, no. It's you. It's you. You're the one choosing. You're the one. You have to ask yourself, who is Jesus? Don't, don't, don't look at him through the lenses of all the weirdness that maybe you've experienced among Christians and in church. But the reality, who is Jesus? If you truly belong to him, then you are to serve him. The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your body, with all of your strength. To grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. You are to bear his image. Do you understand? You're his image bearers. And yet you're shacking up, lacking up, <laughs> running amok. But I love Jesus. Like, do you understand? We've got to stop that. Not because man says, not because the gospel is a burden that, that, that takes all the fun away from your life. No, the gospel just kicks you in your butt and says, stop settling for that which is dust. Wake up! Wake up! Like eternity. Didn't you see the beautiful promise? Like, as before the world was created, this is where you were meant. This is what is meant for you. This eternal kingdom. You're here today and gone tomorrow. Some of you may not make it this week. Some of you may drop dead at the table when we go downstairs. Oh, I don't know. But Lord, don't ruin my birthday lunch. I'm going to prop you up while we eat. But seriously, like here today, gone tomorrow. And it's not to, to provoke fear in you. It's, like, it's not fear that drives you to Christ. It's His love. Oh, you ought to fear him. And you ought to keep fearing him. Even after you come to him. You say, I don't want to live that way. No, but you ought to. Because it'll keep you in check with the Holy Spirit. Less and less you get swayed. Do you realize the scripture says, and we're not going to get to it today, but that people will wander away from the faith in these last days and begin to embrace doctrines of demons. That's why I told you there's some shepherds and pulpits that their fangs are beginning to show. Mm. Like, oh. So, Christians, I just never get through two chapters with you today. We're going to stay on this topic for a couple of weeks. And then we'll get back to maybe some the norm. But it's important that you understand. I mean, do you realize just the other night, it was Friday night after we finished our study here, I go down, I flip on 
my people I follow, just kind of get an update of what's happening in the world. And I was like, oh my goodness. You have these uh, updates from China about how they're, you know, hey, the U.S. is provoking us now. You know, they're sending these things over to Taiwan. You know, we're going to have to strike. And then you have, you have all of this going on. Then you have Russia. Then you have Hamas. Then you have, you have all these things happening. You had a massive earthquake this morning in Afghanistan. You got all these things happening. But I was laying there the other night after, and I'm just like, God, at any moment, at any moment, everything can just unravel. That's why our hope isn't in anything of this earth. This is here today and gone tomorrow. Our hope has to be in Christ. Well, it sustains us. So I don't have to get overwhelmed. Just be like, wow, God. Like you've prepared us. You, like we're here. Because it's not a mistake that you're living during this. Your purpose. Your purpose. Because God purposed you. To live for him. So I asked you when I began. You know, just reading those two scriptures. Like, are you born again? Do you have the hope that if everything unravels today and the trumpet blast and Christ return that you're on the right side? Or are you on the left? See, at that moment, there's no like, oh, I changed my mind, Jesus. Oh, no, it's done. <laughs> it's sealed. It's, it's, it's. You chose. You chose. And he's not in fault. He's not in error. He's not a mean God. He loved you enough to say, here I am. And he's been saying that all your life. And we talked about that on Friday night. I mean, I can look back in my crazy days and I'm like, if it wasn't, I didn't see then that it was God, but now I can see him like, well, there you were. Like you spared me. You, you stepped in. You, you, Altered my course. To get me finally to a place where I was ready to be like, ah. to be born again, you all, of a new nature. That's Christianity. It's stepping out of the old, and it's a daily stepping out. Repentance is a lifestyle. You know, I, and we don't do like, and see, that's what's weird. Like over the years, you're going to learn from our, from those who went before us. Oh, they were always so down and out, dressing so drab, and oh, this Christian life. And you're just like, what? And they feel like that was what holiness was. You know, in church, they all went through their phases or whatever. <laughs> but in this hour, being a Christian, it's not humdrum. Because we're awakened to what's going on. What? We're purpose for today. Everything is chaotic. You realize we just went through a plague. The earth shut down. The uncertainty that was unleashed. And it just keeps building off of it. And yet we're prepared to endure these times ahead. As he equips us because we're born again. And so as we're growing, as we're maturing, so my prayer not only for me and for us is that he would give us a greater hunger and thirst for righteousness for his name's sake. 
I don't have to beat you down. You don't have to beat me down. When we're wrong, we're wrong. When we have patterns in our life, these strongholds in our life that are contrary to how God wants us to live, you don't have to beat yourself up. And you surely don't have to paint yourself up like, oh, I'm okay. And then sneak out in the darkness. Christians do that. People do that. I'm like, what is that? No. No. You just got to humble yourself before God. You got to learn what it means to take the weapons of your warfare and begin to demolish strongholds. You got to learn what it means to be active in your Christian walk and in your life. And what does it mean of Him being Lord? Knowing Him, loving Him, being I don't have to hide anything from Him. Even when I'm having my bad days, I don't have to hide anything. God, you already know. So God, I'm just coming because God equipped me. You know, strengthen me. Prepare my hands for battle. Gird me up. So as your word says, after I've done all I know to do, then I'm able to stand and stand therefore then with the confidence that the battle belongs to him. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's his. But he's victorious. It's already done. It's finished. Just everything has to unravel. So that creation can see God. The Bible even says the creation, the trees, all of that out there is longing to be freed from the curse that we've placed upon it because we rebelled against him. So don't live in rebellion, you all. You're concerned about what's going on? Well, that's fine. But my challenge has been to a lot of people I've spoke to this week, keep your eyes on Jesus. Be concerned with your heart. Because if your heart's not right, if you're truly not born again, if you're truly not a Christian, man, Mm. like your eternity eternity is what you're messing with and yet again he's revealing himself to us we're all sitting here today we're hearing the same message some will harden their heart towards him and get up okay whatever it's not that okay whatever others may have a prickling and like oh god yeah oh god yes and the word of god tells us and then i'm closing farmer goes out and sows the seeds. You see, I've done my job. I've sowed the seed. See, your heart, uh, the condition of it, like the Bible tells us, and we've studied it here before, Jesus tells this parable. And it says that these people who heard it, they received it. Ah, And yet when they turn and they walk away, the enemy snatches it from them. The cares of life choke it out of them. And before you know it, they're just right back where they were, lost. None of it means anything. They forsake Christ and they just go their way. But no, would it be of good soil that when the seed is planted, it takes root and then it begins to break forth fruit in our lives? 
Because we've been born again. You say, well, then how am I to be born again? Well, believe upon Jesus. <laughs> it's just that simple. And your belief is to alter your life because you've been born again. See, the Bible says you're to have a belief and a confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he rose from the dead. You see, I keep telling you, if your Christ is still in the tomb, he's no Christ. If he's still on the cross, he's no Christ. If he's still in the manger, he's no Christ. He has to be the resurrected one. And do you know why that is significant to your belief and your confession? Because it's only the resurrected Christ that has defeated your old nature. He has defeated, he has broken the power of sin and death over your life. Oh, the enemy may come and try. The world system may try. Your own nature may try. But they cannot gain ground. Because you've been engrafted in now into a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You are now born again of the seed of righteousness. And you look and you say, oh, no, no, I know you, old man. Ah! You got nothing for me. Oh, I know you, world. I know what you're presenting to me. But the Bible says that your interest is no longer of me and my interest is no longer in you. And as for you, this realm, oh, I'm not cocky and I'm definitely not prideful or arrogant to think I can address you. But in Jesus' name, I can remind you that the tomb is empty. (laughs) He's risen. You've been exposed and you're defeated, so I submit to him. And in my full submission to him, you have to flee. It's that belief and confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then you only can get to that belief and confession because you first see your nature, because he reveals himself as this holy God And the need for him is because you recognize I'm a sinner. Like my very being, everything of me is in rebellion towards you. Like I've told you before, God just wasn't after the LGBTQ side of me. Let's just get that. He wanted the drunkard. He wanted the liar. He wanted the manipulator. He wanted the murder. Not that I murdered people, but I thought of it. I thought of it. I thought of it. It came very close one night, but I thought of it. The gossiper, the backbiter, the very nature. (laughs) The very nature. Whatever that is for you. It's the very nature of sin. And how it produces, whatever it produces in your life, it's just death. So until you recognize that, you're not going to recognize him. But when you recognize that and you go, wow, you're a great love. Please to reveal yourself to me. I don't have to clean myself up. You know, a lot of people spend years, I'll just, when I'm better, when I'm doing better, when I feel like I'm, I can do this and, you know, I'll then. But what does that mean? Because you don't understand. You can't do it. You never will clean yourself. You will never be good enough. But Christ was. Christ was. And that's why you're like, oh. I'm not perfect. He's not looking for your perfection. He's just looking for you to be surrendered. 
so he can work in and through you so he can raise you up. He knows what has to be worked out in you. I mean, for God's sakes, look at Norma. Look at Gilda. Look at yourself. If you're truly in Christ, you would see growth. Not perfection, but growth. And I keep telling you, if you're not seeing growth, if you're not seeing a movement forward, something's wrong with your Christianity. Something's wrong. Very wrong. So, I'm going to close this with this last song. I'm going to close this in prayer, but I'll just ask you, you all, you know where you're at. You know where you're at. And it's as simple as that. You don't have to beat yourself up. You don't have to try to conjure up stuff. You don't have to make all these promises. Well, God, I promise I'll do good. No, he doesn't want that. He, he doesn't want that. He's already done good. <laughs> you just have to believe. You just have to recognize I'm a sinner. In the very essence to the core of my being, I am hostile towards you. But all you're asking of me is to humble myself, to repent, to recognize that, to Step out of it and go, I'm yours. I believe that you're the son of God, that you came. You took upon my punishment. You endured the wrath that rightly was mine. And then you laid upon your righteousness on me that I might be right with God without having to do all these works to be right. Oh, I believe that you are the son of God. And in that I confess that you have risen from the dead. Heaven rejoices. Spirit filled. But I feel the same. It's okay. Start walking it out. Start getting discipled. See, once you make that bold confession, once you have that belief, get baptized. Well, I don't have to be good to be baptized. I don't have to get baptized. It's a beautiful outward symbol and a declaration to every realm. The old is dead. I'm new. And then get discipled. Grow. Grow. Mature. We need to mature. We need to grow. We need to be alert. We need to be out there, y'all, loving and serving and announcing the coming of Christ. Again, not, 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 not like crazy folks, but just being available. Get out there and start allowing your life to look different so people go, oh, but didn't you once do this and didn't you once do that? Why aren't you doing No, 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 it's okay. It's okay. No, fine. Yeah. No one had to give me a list of rules and laws. No. Because I knew of his love. Like, you love me that much, I'll follow you. I don't know how to live. So I used to tell him, I still tell him, I don't know how to live. But you've begun this work in me. You're faithful to carry me. That's just where you begin. And you're free from all this religious works. You're free from all this crap that the enemy does. You can just walk upright amongst a wicked and perverse generation. Even amongst the tormented religious folks. Because they're not going to like your freedom. But that's all right. Keep your head up. Keep moving forward. I don't need your laws to make me holy. 
I'm holy because of what Christ done. Now the life in which I lived is in Christ. And the holiness in which I'm experiencing and will continue to experience and grow in and mature in, it's all what he's doing in me. So this is the hope you all. We're living in chaotic times. Never in our lifetime, never in our lifetime have we been situated for total war. World War III. Never have we been so close. And again, I'm not saying, oh, it's coming, this is it. I'm just telling you, if it isn't it, it's a preview. So wake up. Because Jesus is coming. I'm going to close this, and then I'll close this with prayer. Thank <laughs> you.